After this, Jesus, knowing that all had been accomplished, that the scriptures might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Now a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there, and they filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on hyssop, and put it to his mouth. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. That's from John chapter 19, verses 28 to 29. There's one Greek word for that phrase, it is finished. That word is tetelestai. And uh, we don't really know exactly how Jesus pronounced it because the written word doesn't actually convey to us the emotion of the moment. Perhaps in his exhaustion, in a feeble voice, he said, tell us die. Or perhaps with a last flourish of his life before the cross, he said in victory, to tell us die. It is finished. It is finished. It's a Greek word that actually comes from the accounting profession. Did I wake someone up? <laughs> it comes from the accounting profession. And uh, anyone who's had anything to do with accounting or, or bookkeeping will know that at the end of every financial year, you close off the books. And this word has that accounting meaning, closing off the books. It's something which is completed, completely finished. And it's particularly instructive that the cup that Jesus took there on the cross, that sour wine, was actually the fourth cup of the Passover feast. As you would know, the Jews had been celebrating Passover ever since God took them out of slavery in Egypt. It was a festival, a feast, that was established by God so that Israel would remember His goodness toward them. And some of you would know that for the last couple of years we've actually done the Passover feast itself on Good Friday evening. For various reasons we were unable to do that today. But instead you have before you a sample of food of the kind that most likely was available for the Last Supper that Jesus had with his disciples, with his friends, with those who were closest to him during his life on earth. Truth be told, the, the orange cake there, the orange and almond. almond, sorry, the orange and almond cake wouldn't have been available at that time, but it's become associated with the Jewish Passover feast over the last hundreds of years. And it's the dessert that comes towards the end of the feast. The grapes and the olives, those were staple foods 
at the time that Jesus lived. The, uh, the bread that we will share in communion is matzah or matzo bread. It's uh, made of crushed grain and water. There's no leavening in it. There's nothing in it to make it rise. And that was the kind of bread that was regularly eaten uh, with their meals. So as you um, share of the fruit and the nuts, the bread today, do so in remembrance of what Jesus Christ achieved on our behalf on the cross. You know, there's something also, something else that's important about that Greek word to telestai. And I, I prefer to think of Jesus actually yelling it out in victory, you know, with the very last of his manly strength that he could muster. Because he was making a statement, not just to those who could hear and to those who would read 2,000 years later of what he said from the cross, but he was making a statement, a prophetic statement, into the spiritual realm as well. Because in the Greek, that word to telestai is in what they call the perfect tense. It has a sense in which something is accomplished in the moment. So in the moment that Jesus pronounced it is finished, it was. His purpose for being on the earth the redemption of all of creation. It was finished. But that's only part of the sense of the present tense of a verb in the Greek. Because the other part of that was the ongoingness of it. So not only was it finished at the cross, it continues to be finished every day from the day of the cross right through until his second coming again. So you see, our salvation was won by Jesus Christ on the cross at the very moment that he pronounced, it is finished, but our salvation is ongoing day by day by day as we live through this life. I want to share with you the meaning of the four cups that are traditionally drunk during the Passover feast. And they come at specific times during the Passover. And by the way, today is the official date of the Jewish Passover. It very rarely coincides with Good Friday, but this is one of those rare years in which the official date of Passover is the 30th of March. So the first cup was called the, the cup of sanctification or the Kadesh, or Kadesh I should say. And uh, it was actually a mixture of wine and water and it signified a cleansing preparatory to taking the rest of the meal. 
and uh, whoever was presiding over the Sadar or the order of the Passover would say a blessing before the meal. Now, depending on which authorities you read about the Passover, and not every uh, rabbi agrees with every other rabbi, and not all theologians agree, but many would suggest that the first cup was instituted by God to remind Israel of his promise to take them out of Egypt. And that started with the plagues that God sent when Pharaoh hardened his heart towards Israel and went back on his commitment to let them go free. For us as as Christians, that's equivalent to the promise that God makes to take us out of the kingdom of darkness. God promises in his word that for all of those who will surrender to Jesus Christ, he will take them out of the kingdom of darkness. So that very first cup, before any of the meal is eaten at all, is a reminder of God's promise to Israel that I will take you out of Egypt. And he says to us today, I will take you out of darkness. The second cup was the cup of proclamation or Haggadah. And it was instituted by God in remembrance of the exodus from Egypt. So God promised his people that he would take them out of Egypt and he actually did. At this point in the Passover celebration, Deuteronomy 26 verses 5 to 11 is traditionally read and Psalms 113 and 114, they're the beginning of what they call the halal, not the halal as in the uh, Islamic uh, food regulations, but it's the, the first bit of our word hallelujah, all right? So a passage from Deuteronomy and Psalms 113 and 114 are read out. And the meaning of the passage from Deuteronomy for the Jews is the promise of God that I will save you from slavery. And it represents the travel of Israel out of Egypt to a place which was called Ramses. Not the name of a, an Egyptian king, but the name of a place. So God had taken Israel out of Egypt and he'd led them to the water. And that place was called Ramses. And you see, for us today, we have the promise of God that I will take you out of slavery to sin. See, the Bible says we can only be slaves of sin or slaves of righteousness. There's only one or the other. 
the Bible is probably the most black and white book that's ever been published. There's no sitting on the fence in between. You're either a slave to sin or you're a slave to righteousness. So for us, that second cup of the Passover represents God's commitment to save us from slavery to sin. And Jesus would have celebrated that cup with the disciples. The third cup was the cup of blessing. Or Baraka to the Hebrews. And it was actually the official commencement of the actual meal. And this is where they began to eat the matzah or matzo and to partake of wine. And you see, it was at this point in the grab a table and start eating and make a cup of coffee. It's all good. It's all good. And we're eating and listening all at the same time. We're multitasking here today. (laughs) So that the cup of blessing or the baraka, that was the point at which the meal proper was commenced. The matzah, of course, was what Jesus said was his body. And the wine was his blood. So it was this point where the Bible records that Jesus took the bread and he took the cup and he blessed it and he gave it to his disciples saying, take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. And he said to the wine, this is the cup, this is the blood of the new covenant. Drink this in remembrance of me. And so they would have completed eating the food. But you see, in the Passover, there was a fourth cup. Now what I'd like to do right now is to invite you to partake of the third cup of the Passover meal. And we've got it set up out at the front there for you under the the two candles. It's our usual uh, communion, but the bread this time is the matzah or the matzo. It depends on which book you read, how they spell it. Uh, and we've got our usual grape juice, of course. Just a warning for those of you who are gluten-free, that stuff isn't gluten-free. Um, I don't think the Jews knew about celiac disease all those years ago. So can I invite you at this point, just as you feel comfortable, to stand up and just go and partake of the third cup of the Passover. (coughs) The Bible actually doesn't say anything directly about how many cups were actually um, celebrated in that so-called Last Supper, but there's plenty of circumstantial evidence in the words that Jesus used as he described what he would face very soon after that meal. The fourth cup was the cup of praise, or the Hallel. And this is the cup that is referred to in the passage I read from John chapter 19. 
So this came towards the end of the meal. And uh, at this point, everybody sang Psalms 115 to 118 and offered these Psalms up as a sacrifice of praise to God, a sacrifice of thanksgiving. And for the Jew, of course, it was thanksgiving for the Exodus, for God's saving Israel from slavery in Egypt. By the way, that third cup, the cup of blessing, represented to the Jews the promise that God had made that he would redeem them. And he did that through the splitting of the sea, which left Israel safe. You might remember in that story that the Egyptian army chased after Israel because Pharaoh changed his mind yet again and he decided he wanted all his slaves back so he sent his army after Israel. But you see, God split the sea, Israel walked through on dry land and as the, the chariots got to the beginning of the, the sea, the waters actually came back together and they drowned. So God had redeemed Israel. And of course for us, the promise is that God will redeem us back to himself. So if you want to know what it was that Jesus finished through his death on the cross, he completed the redemptive purposes of God. And we are actually redeemed all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Not necessarily physically, but in terms of our position with God. Way back to the way God intended it in the first place. So the promise that God makes to us today is that He will redeem us to Himself. And He does that through the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. In respect of that fourth cup, to the Jew, it's a remembrance of God's promise to make them into a nation, to bring them together in unity as a body that signals God's love to the world. And for us, you know, who are Christians today, we too are a nation. How do I know that we're a nation? Because the Bible tells us that our citizenship is in heaven. We all belong to the kingdom of God. Jesus is now seated at the right hand of the Father and the book of Ephesians tells us that we are seated with Christ Jesus. In heavenly places. So our position is as members of a different kind of nation. A different kind of kingdom. The kingdom of God. A kingdom which is founded on love. So that last cup. That last cup was the cup that Jesus took in the last seconds of his life. As he hung on that cross. 
In doing so, as it were, he completed the great Passover meal that God had intended right from the time of original sin. It has always been God's heart to take us out of darkness. The Bible says we're translated out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of his glorious light. It has always been God's intention to save us from the slavery of sin. It has always been God's intention to redeem us back to himself. And it has always been God's intention to have a nation with their citizenship in heaven. You know, the Bible actually talks about those who take communion in an unworthy manner as actually being sick and dying. Well, let us be committed to taking the communion in a way that is honouring of God's heart toward us and his intention to save us, not just at a point in time, but in an ongoing way, as that Greek word to telestai suggests. It's not just something that happens in a point of time, but it is something that is ongoing until we ourselves die and live with Jesus forever. So one of the reasons why I often say we're not sinners saved by grace is because as far as God is concerned, our position was changed when we gave our hearts to Jesus Christ. Before we acknowledge him, before we submit to him, our position is that of a sinner. When we submit to him, when we make that commitment to become a follower of Jesus Christ, we're no longer sinners, but we're saints. It doesn't mean we're perfect and it doesn't mean we never sin. But you see, our position changes because of what Jesus achieved on the cross. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said to tell us die. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. In doing so, he completed the redemptive purpose of God and we ourselves live in that redemptive purpose today. God bless you. Enjoy what is left of your Jesus food and uh, grab another coffee and enjoy some community time. Thank you. Yeah. This July. Yeah, yeah, yeah.